Kingston PA's Title Fight are perhaps the most important punk band of the 2010s. The group dominated the scene with a three-album stretch including 2012's Fierce and Engaging Floral Green and 2015's Hyperview, which saw the band morph into shoegaze superstars. The importance of those records are lost, however, without the emergence of the band's debut LP, Shed, a 2011 masterpiece that takes the sonic qualities of golden era hardcore and marries them with contemporary reactions. Shed is an album of pain, passion, and persistence. But above all else, it's an art school album. We have a new record out. It's called Shed. And the meaning behind that word is people who come into our community, come into hardcore, get what they want, and then bounce and go to the next cool thing, whatever that may be. That's not what this is about. This is not a fucking popularity contest. This isn't a contest to see who can fuck the most girls or get the most nudes. This is a fucking real genre of music with a real message behind it. My guest today is a good man and a man that has made the most of his time during quarantine because this man produced the Quarantined that you can find at his Twitter account, which he can tell you about in just a second. My guest today is Kevin Hare. Kevin, it's a two-part question off the bat. First of all, how are you? Second of all, how did the Quarantined come about? Uh, I am doing well. Today was cool because we had a power outage at work, so I left early. Can't, and, can't uh, beat that. That is not a bad day can't beat that and uh the zine came about because i was uh obviously everybody's life has been thrown into a bit of a loop and mine was as well and i ended up having to stay with my sister instead of where i normally stay because we decided that it was for the best and uh because of that just you know everything was kind of thrown upside down and i a friend of mine was going through something unrelated but of course with everything that's going on every issue that you have is exemplified and so i just reached out to him and just checked in and he was uh just saying hey i'm just trying to get through things and he he mentioned something about being creative and just trying to be creative right now and the first thing that i thought about was a zine because i've done some before uh nothing really major i've just done one issue of a few things um that kind of one was like a hardcore wrestling one and one was just a wrestling one and i and I had the idea and I just thought it was such a boring idea because it was just kind of a crush thing where it's just like, well, I don't have anything to do, so I can just do this. And I, I wasn't inspired. And then a few minutes later, I was just thinking and somehow the name just popped up. And it's one of those things where as soon as you think of a name, you get the entire concept just immediately. And as soon as I as soon as the name came, I go, that's an incredible idea. I have to do that. So um, right away, I just started asking a bunch of the format is just basically asking a lot of people that I know, um, a lot of people involved in bands or music, but not everybody. And just kind of what's going, how they're doing, what's going on, whatever. And uh, I just thought of questions right that night and then sent them away right away and probably asked too many people. But it ended up being I was really happy with it. So now I just have to motivate myself to do a second one. I, I would love a second issue. I really enjoyed the first one. It gave me 
you know, I'm at a point where I'm looking for anything that can show up hours of the day. I take about an hour long walk every day. I go to my online classes. Uh, I fill myself with as much work as I can do for those classes, but that still leaves me with just hours to fill, which I'm not used to. I was, you know, two months ago on this podcast, I was talking about how I'm the busiest I've ever been and how it's nice to be able to sit down and relax and talk about music for an hour. Now I have nothing going on and it's nice to sit down and talk about music for an hour and that is why you are here uh zine oh go ahead real quick let me just get a plug in for it because i didn't actually say where you can find it it's uh quarantine.blogspot.com and you can read it there it's free you can buy it but you can just read it if you can print it out yourself whatever that's fine but it's up there everybody i hope can just spend a little while reading it just to be have a little diversion absolutely it's uh it's a good read i highly recommend it zines obviously prevalent in the hardcore scene which is what we are going to be talking about today are zines how you got into hardcore music how did you discover this messed up yet somehow beautiful genre (laughs) of music um no not through that it was more of just like I've always been into music. Uh, when I was really little, I, I became, in hindsight, kind of obsessed with whatever I was exposed to. But it was mainly like Beatles and Beach Boys and stuff like that. But then I started to get more into alternative music in like the mid to late 90s. And then uh, from there, it was just kind of subtly getting deeper and deeper. Just, you know, starting with stuff like the Foo Fighters and then getting more into like... Uh, eventually getting more into like the pop punk stuff that was big at the time, like Blink-182, Green Day, whatever. And then just from there, kind of taking, going downstairs, I guess you could say, and just somebody exposed me to something else. So I'm finding out like one of the big things was finding out that like fat records and all that stuff existed. And then once I did that, I just bought a lot of the comps. And then from which uh, they're probably talking like, you know what I'm talking about, but you probably didn't because this was kind of, I guess, a minute in time, but you used to be able to go to Hot Topic and get five minute or five dollar comps from like a bunch of different labels, like Epitaph and Fat Records and stuff. And they would just, they'd be like 20 or 30 songs each. So you could just go and buy them and then check them out and just get into all sorts of stuff. And who then, so. Were, who were some of your big bands initially that, in this genre, that really, uh, I, I guess, led you to obsessing over this sort of stuff? Well, the the first thing in like punk would be stuff like NoFX and Operation Ivy and Dropkick Murphys and stuff like that. And so it was more of the punk side. And then from there would eventually get into stuff like Minor Threat and Bad Brains and see, if not necessarily listen to a lot of hardcore stuff, because I really didn't start getting into like hardcore, hardcore until like towards the end of high school. I got into like a lot of other types of I got more into like the post hardcore, like screamo stuff, like ebullition record stuff, and uh, all sorts of whatever, just random things. But then hardcore towards the end of high school, but it was just kind of always seeing the names around, like Blood for Blood and Madball and that type of thing. But then uh, I got a Bane record when I was in 10th grade, I think, and that was a game changer. I hadn't heard anything like that. It was like, it was, I've heard, I had. It took me a while to get into stuff where bands were yelling, but once I finally did, like I was kind of more into like the metalcore stuff at the time and like other things like that. But then hearing something that was kind of more straightforward but really angry sounding was like a game changer. And then it kind of opened up the Pandora's box. Yeah, what take me through that experience of if you finally find that hardcore band, hardcore band that you're into. 
what is that sensation like? Because for me, it was minor threat. And I talked a few episodes ago about how uh, pro wrestler CM Punk talked about minor threat. I worshipped everything CM Punk did at the time. So I began listening to minor threat and I was, you know, 13 or 14 at the time. And the issues they were talking about were going over my head. But there was on just the surface level, an amount of rage and maybe even desperation that I really connected to and needed to hear at that time in my life. And ever since then, I've been an Ian McKay descendant uh, or a worshiper. Rather, I, I love most of what he's done. And but there's nothing like that first band that just connects with you and it opens up an entire world of possibilities. Yeah, it was, it's one of those things where it's like you don't realize or for me, I didn't realize what trying to explain like I had already kind of the the DIY stuff had already been I had already been exposed to it so I knew about like DIY hardcore and or and like just the idea of it in general and like I said bad brains minor threat but just kind of I don't know just getting something and just be just having a click I still feel that experience it's maybe not like opening up a full genre or whatever but it's just like when you get it and just be like okay I understand this and then you just kind of play it over and over and repeat it and repeat it. It's like, it's very cool. And the thing with hardcore too, is that it's really, um, the music is obviously really important, but, uh, the stories and the lore and the message. And then the most important thing for me that I found is just the community and just the idea of like, you know, doing everything yourself. And it's really shaped, shaped all of my perspective on pretty much everything. And so like, it's very cool to just, when you have that and you start to realize that that's happening of like, I'm taking what I hear from this. And for me, like, we'll probably, as we go on, I'm kind of like this too. The message and stuff is important, but the message for me, I don't get necessarily from specific songs. I kind of get it from the greater, energy and attitude and everything that kind of surrounds it it's not like i read a lyric and that's what changed my mind like what changes the way i think like obviously it's kind of impossible to not have that happen when you listen to things enough but like it's for me it's just kind of the feel and energy of something so having something like that where just like this is all yourself like i read uh the book our band could be your life which was all about like 80s bands yeah essential reading if you have not yeah. read it yeah, yeah. So I read that, I think, when I was a freshman in high school. And so right away, it, it's from the 80s, but it's kind of still like it's all bands from the 80s. But all the ideas and just doing it, everything yourself and how to be in a band and how to tour and how to do your own records, make your own scenes, book your own shows, like all of that stuff was just kind of right away. Once I started getting into music and I saw that, it was just kind of like bam, this is it. This makes complete sense. And now it still like makes sense. Still go to shows. And most of my great friends are people that I've met a few, few music, all my political views, all of my like life philosophies, basically everything has come from hardcore DIY music, etc. So it's like, it's cool when you have something, you don't realize it's happening. Then you can look back and just be like, yeah, if I didn't have that, I have no idea. I'm, I wouldn't be like, I don't want to be this, one of those people that are like, if I didn't have this, I wouldn't be here. I would be in jail or dead. And I don't think it's like that for me, but my life would be a lot more boring and not as cool. So I think what you said about hardcore and the overall message of it, meaning something to you, maybe more so than individual song lyrics is exactly what I like about the genre. And you know, there's there's levels to everything, and I understand that this music is ultimately made for a niche audience, and not everybody is going to love it. But when a band like the band we'll talk about today, Title Fight, when a band like that comes into my life, or like Touche Amore, any of these bands of this genre, 
when I hear them and I hear the intensity, but more so the passion in their voice and the instrumentation, which is very pleasing to my ear, it always just baffles me that this is not what everybody is into because it, it connects on, and I'm not unique in this way that it connects on a deep level, but it, it you know, it does. And I, again, I would not be in jail or dead if I did not discover Minor Threat at 13, but there would be aspects of my life that I, I can't even imagine had I not had the foundation of DIY ethics. And like lately I've been into a lot of like have heart and fiddlehead and the Pat Flynn projects. And, you know, he's big on promoting positivity and hardcore and not, and you know, there being some sort of inherent danger, but no violence in the music. And that is all striking a really big chord with me right now. And I just feel like I would be living a much more boring life if I did not have these bands to help me navigate my daily existence. Yeah, especially like around I'm from the Philadelphia area. So there was a band called Blacklisted, who's like uh, basically of at least the past 10 or 15 years in Philadelphia is like the band. And they've kind of evolved all sorts of ways. And they started as one thing and they ended up being something else. But it's always like that was the band where it's like if they played, it was an event. If uh, the lyrics are like, you know. Everybody can relate to them some way. They're intense. The live shows went from scary to, you know, more uh, uplifting, I guess, type of thing. Like, you know, different vibes as the sh- as it went on. I, I don't necessarily mean uplifting, but I guess more of just, you know, like it was just a different vibe where it used to be like you had the duck or whatever the whole time. It wasn't as like that as much towards the end, but it was just one of those things where it's like, all right, this is the band. I'm obsessed with this. Like everybody, all my friends are obsessed with this. Every time they play as an event, like it means more than just like going to see your favorite band. It's like, this is the band that like, I don't know. You feel just more connected to it because the shows aren't as big, but there's still a ton of people there that are all feeling the same way that you are. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's always unique and it's, it's a cool feeling. And that's also why uh, with title fight is it's a, cool topic for to do for this because it was another band that was kind of like the same same feeling for me before we get into title fight let's talk record stories for a second first of yes. all how much do you miss record stories right now big time i need to go so bad i've been on discogs just like looking at stuff and adding stuff to carts but i haven't pulled the trigger but i've been doing it like constantly it's tough i have been just trying to do what I can to support the scene in any way. I've had two orders from Bridge Nine uh, delivered uh, at this point in my quarantine, uh, some Bridge Nine shirts and then a Half Heart record that I did not have. But just the, I guess my weekly existence, because I'm probably at a record store, if not every week, then every other week, just because when I'm in Chicago, I can typically walk to one, or if I'm in an area that I typically populate in, there is a record store nearby, and not having that is killer for me because I don't know how it is for you. Like, I'm not super social. I don't know anybody behind the counters at the record stores I go to, although they're familiar faces at this point. But it's just a part of my being that I really enjoy. And being in Chicago, having a plethora of phenomenal record stores nearby, I've been able to uh, sort of pluck and pull so many bands that maybe I had heard of but didn't know super well, especially in the punk genre, give them a chance, and then I later fall in love with them. And I'm missing it from my life right now. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm big on the like I'm pretty I'm not like the you know, the top top type of like 
elite, or not elite, but you know, spending like hundreds and thousands of dollars on on single records. But like, I'm pretty in, so it's basically like the a type of therapy to just on the hunt for things. And so it's like, uh, I can just go and spend a while just looking through everything, being like, all right cool i've been looking for this this seems cool whatever and so it's it's just a nice way to kind of just decompress you can go with a friend or two even if they don't really care about records if they're into music they'll tag along and like especially in philadelphia not just philadelphia around here there's a few uh cool stores and so and you know been going long enough where it's like even if you don't know the people super well you can go and just like talk to them and they know you enough like oh this is somebody who goes to my store like my favorite store right now in philadelphia is called sit and spin and it really uh it specializes in punk and hardcore stuff and it's it they get crazy stuff in like it's it's curated really well so they're always really looking for like they're they want like new stuff but they really want cool used stuff and that's really what i go for if i want a news record a new record i can just buy it online but i want to go find like see what they have you know but like you never know the coolest thing like the over the past 10 years the new records like people wanting them that's cool and like it's kind of helped with the boom but for me it's boring like i'll buy them for sure but it's not what i go to a record store for so um but uh so i talked to them whenever i go in there and you know i brought in a bunch of stuff and sold it last time or not last time but last year and uh to get ready to go to Japan. So, but I, I was going to go and ask them about Japan, like record stores and stuff. Cause there's a ton over there, but I always forgot. And then, uh, I was just, I was in Japan for like 10 days. And on a Wednesday afternoon, we went to, uh, Shibuya, I think. And, uh, we went to a disc union there, which disc union is the big, uh, record store chain. And I walk in to the, uh, the way the disc unions are is each store, each floor of the big ones has a different genre store. So there'll be like a hip hop store and a new wave store and a prog store or whatever. So I always go to the punk and hardcore store. And so I go up to the top floor and I walk in and somebody starts talking to me in English. And I look over and it's the owner of Sid and Spin just talking to me. At That's the incredible. Si- the same exact time that I was there in Shibuya on like a one o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. And so it's just like, this is absolutely insane. But then, you know, just talk to somebody in Japan that, you know, and they give you tips. And then when you come back, she's like, yeah, yeah. When are you going back? That type of thing. Where it's just like, this is a connection that I never would have had otherwise. And now here I am halfway across the world with the same connection. So it was pretty awesome. <laughs> if you've got like, do you have like three to five records in your collection that you can kind of look back on and go like, yeah, it's cool that I have those. Cause the hunt is exactly what I'm missing. I can buy records online all day long, but it's, it's, you're missing a key component of the entire idea in my opinion. But what have yeah. you been able to track down like three records that you are very proud to have in your collection? The biggest one that I think of of when just like stumbling upon stuff and going to a, on a hunt is I was in Montreal uh, doing a weekend with a friend's band and uh, there was like a distro band that I didn't really see or that I saw like across the way and I didn't really go look at it because a lot of times like distro bins at, at record at shows, especially now are kind of like the same. And so I was just like, eh, whatever, I'll go, maybe I'll look at that. But then I, I looked again and I saw that there was something, I think there was something interesting on the front, uh, 
like the first record I noticed was something cool. So I'm like, oh, well, if that's there, maybe I'll go look at this. And it was only like 20 or 30 records in there. It wasn't a lot. So I was looking through and then I, uh, and they were all like reasonably priced, like $10 Canadian or $10 US. I don't remember, but I was just looking through and then I stumbled, I pulled out something and my eyes just exploded because it was a uh, first press black cover. God damn it. By Aquan Trio. Okay. Very solid. Very, it, very solid. And it was ten dollars. Yeah. Well, then you take that and you run home, and I may, not... maybe never leave at that point. Because right. if you have a first pressing of that Alkaline Trio album, forget it. I, I'm not yeah. leaving if I have that. And that, like, it was a big band for me anyway, and it was a record that I never thought I'd had, I'd get. I think it, at the time it was probably like a hundred fifty dollar record. Now it's probably not as much, but still, I was just like. I couldn't believe it. So there was, so that finding that one was cool. Was like insane. Uh, it was still like one of my favorite things of just finding something because, because it's a record that means a lot that I never thought I'd get, and it was there. Um, some other stuff is like, uh, there's a record store in Allentown, PA, called Double Decker, which is like. I say Sit and Spin is my favorite now, but Double Decker is my favorite of all time. Uh, they just have like. They've just gotten in so many things over the like they've been around for 20 to 30 years at this point and they just get in a lot but for a while they're getting tons of test presses in and i don't know why but like there was a streak of i think four trips in a row where i got a bunch of hardcore test presses and well first i got a dojo 4 one for this shit is genius which was cool because dojo 4 is like my favorite band so getting any thing like that was cool and then there was uh bird alive turmoil and all i wore test presses which are all hardcore bands and it was all like some of those the all i wore and turmoil ones were like the seminal uh records by the band so i think test presses are cool because they're like the things that had to be approved like they were the first thing and like they're kind of boring because they don't always have the artwork and stuff but just getting something like that where it's like this was like the first of it I think is cool. So getting a bunch of that stuff all in a row is pretty awesome. Let's talk about title fight. How did they come into your life? So the first time I heard them, I think was, uh, well, I guess before that, even they were really involved in, I'm from a place called Collegeville, Pennsylvania, which is like the Philadelphia suburbs. And, um, there, there's a scene like in my area, but uh, eventually I kind of gravitated. First, I went to school in Philadelphia, and then I gravitated to another scene. Um, in, in my area, there's a lot of like scenes in specific suburb suburb places. So like, it's it's smaller than the city, but they're all kind of their own unique thing. It's not as much like this now, but when I was younger, it was. And so there was a, another area called Doylestown, and uh, they would do a lot of shows there. And uh, they had a scene that existed way before I started going there. I didn't start going there probably till like 2006, 2007, but they kind of had their own thing where they just kind of built it themselves. And, uh, they got, became friends with title fight pretty early. Um, because title fight is brothers with people in other bands. So like they were on the first, their first shows in like 2004. I think their first one was this band called frostbite's last show and frostbite like broke up 2004. So that's how long title fight has existed. So they kind of became friends with them and then they would play there all the time. And so I, the first time I saw them was there. My friend's band was playing with them and I had heard the name, but I didn't really know it. And I think it was after the demo came out. 
I don't think the um, Erection Kid split was out yet. So the if it it, it might have been, it would have like just came out. So that was the first time that I heard it. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then uh, Kingston came out a few months later, and whenever when that came out. I listened to it and I think I was 21 at the time, still in college. And, but when I was younger, I was really into like all the emo bands, like the get up kids and that type of stuff and saves day and that stuff. And when I heard title fight, it was, it really struck a chord with me because it was new and like very youthful because they were still in high school at that point. But it was also very like a nostalgic type of thing for me, even though it was brand new. So it hit just kind of that specific, like right it hit me right at the right spot where i was like this is great and then from there it was just like going to see them every single time that i could they play around a lot eventually start going to wooks bear and stuff and it was just like it felt like there was title fight shows all the time and so it was just like they became kind of the band for me and for a lot of other people that i knew too kind of like a benchmark thing you hit on something there that I think is really unique to title fight more than any other bands in this scene. And we can kind of get into this as we start to break down the album, the first track off of shed, which although this was released in 2011, it's actually the band's first studio album, despite forming in, in 2003, they had been around for forever at this point, had put out EPs and seven inches, put out a compilation in 2009. Shed is their first full length record came out on side one dummy in 2011. Coxton yard is the opening track. It's just, first of all, this opening track is kind of exactly what I would want from a band that describes themselves as like Philadelphia hardcore. Like it's so straightforward and intense and fast. And it's just like, oh shit, this is great. I could do another 12 songs of this. And and the album changes and it gets more melodic as we go along. But for an opener, it's exactly what I want to hear. Yeah, so first of all, there we'll say the Wilkes-Bear hardcore. We don't want to... Offend oh, anybody? Please, please explain the scene politics to me. I would hate to offend. Oh yeah, so Wilkes-Barre is from is like two hours north of Philadelphia, and so, uh, but it's its own thing, and I it's like I don't mean that separate. I mean that just kind of prop up. Like it's very DIY. Like everything is, it's like a core group of people that have existed for I uh, 20, 20 years at least maybe even longer at this point and they've kind of just passed it on passed on their scene to the next generations all the time and so like it's super diy uh there's not there's been like some venues steady venues that they've had there but it's all still like it's not really those big clubs or whatever and it's like so it's super title flight has really come from that scene and then they've helped really spread it and uh their ethics have kind of spread to all the younger people and everybody else from the scene. And you can see their influence on like all the new bands and all the younger kids. It's not that title fight, like were the originators of it, but they just help spread it more. So like bands like one step closer. Now you see them, you hear them. They're not exactly the same, but it's kind of, you can't escape the title fight influence in both their aesthetic and their music. So it's just like, um, so it's really, they, that's where they came from and you kind of hear that all over the record that it's there um, 
Real quick like, on One Step Closer, it. just because they're a band from Wilkes-Barre. I heard One Step Closer for the first time like three months ago, and it was a holy shit moment for me. Of like, these kids all have X's on their hands. I watched, I think, five live sets in one night because Hate Five Six had a bunch of them up on, on the YouTube channel. And it was just like, holy shit, I don't know who these kids are, but as soon as, fingers crossed, live music exists ever again, One Step Closer is at the top of my list of bands I want to see. So they are the current crop of Wilkes-Barre bands, and they are representing well. Yeah, they're awesome. They're like they're a band that I don't necessarily like listen to as much, but seeing them live, they've just gotten better and better and better. It's like it's it's very cool. They're yeah, they they've kind of taken the mantle of of that area. But um but yeah, I guess with with this record, it was just kind of like one of those things where like you said, it, they had existed for a long time and you just see going to shows and it was just one of those things where the shows would escalate. It's like you'd be like, "Okay, there's this show that was cool." And then like they had a show called Slump Fest that was basically a big Wilkes Bear fest in a in somebody's garage with like hundreds of people in a garage. And they played and it was like one of those kind of like legendary things about uh, 2010 my friend uh, Bob booked them in a place called Quakertown which is in the same area as like Doylestown in that area and uh, it was like again like hundreds of kids there so it's just kind of like they're a band that you could see the benchmarks um, they opened for Bayside and Census Vale at a on a big tour and they played uh, like the big venue here called the Electric Factory and we all went to that it was like whoa this is this is crazy. They played like this is hardcore, which is a big thing. Like every set they would play would just be bigger and bigger and their rea- reactions would be the same or bigger than like the reunion show, like the big bands, the reunions, whatever. So it was just always like, man, this is this is getting crazy. This is really cool. So then they, they signed aside one dummy and it was like, finally, the LP is coming out. And it was always one of those things where you're where you, you are super excited for something and just like you just hear about it and like. You talk to them, you talk to the people and just like just hear bits and bits about trying to just get whatever information you can about it. And then like I remember where I remember like exactly when I saw that the pre-orders went up for it. And like I remember seeing the my reaction when I saw the cover for the first time. It was just one of those things where it's like, all right, this is actually a thing. So I can't actually remember when I listened to it for the first time. I was trying to think about that recently. I can't remember that. But it was still just like as soon as you hear it and it's just kind of like. It was cool because it was kind of a sum, a summation of everything that they had done before, but it was kind of like uh, a little bit cleaner, maybe a little less like some parts that would have been awkward before aren't really there anymore. And it's just more concise and just kind of perfectly has the vibe. And I think the first song was perfect for that, where it just kind of like it starts right away and then you like that was it right away. You're like, this is the full record. is what follows shed is a song about not following trends both in hardcore and not following the trend of getting into hardcore you touched on something about title fight that i said i'd bring up again and i'm going to now so i'm a man of my word but there's a weird sense of nostalgia 
that seems to follow title fight where like Ned, their lead singer and bassist clearly has a love for all things hardcore and he makes that clear in every interview he's ever given i mean he can rattle off bands and scenes and facts like nobody's business and although they have the same ethics as maybe some of the discord bands did or some of the revelation records bands did they don't feel like copycats they feel very unique in their own world but they also could have fit in in dc in 83 or new york in 88 like they're i don't know what that is and maybe you can put a finger on it maybe more than i can but there's something that's really retro about title fight but it's not inauthentic oh yeah i completely agree i think that their authenticity and their you know mindset uh they do everything themselves all that stuff i think that really just plays into them uh, you can kind of hear it in the music. You can just go and see him. You just kind of feel it. It's there. It was kind of the big thing that like really took them to the next level for me, for sure. Like, um, it all comes off as very honest. Like they want to do stuff and they'll just do it. They book all their own like big shows and like they. Well, a thing that was cool with Title Fight was that they were they would be booking like every six months to a year. There would kind of be like a big Title Fight show and. Like, they would play other shows than that, but there would always be, like, the one that would be, like, curated a specific way or whatever. So that would be the one where it's like, all right, this is awesome. Like, there was the record release shows for uh, some of the LP or all the LPs. There was, um, like, an anniversary show, like that type of stuff. And you could tell that they put a lot of effort into uh, making it cool, making it reflect what they wanted to, not having anybody else um, – dictated for them like all their artwork i think has been done by same friend of theirs like a lot of the stuff they design themselves whatever so it's just like that is where you know a lot of the other bands that are kind of lumped in with the newer emo indie pop punk bands like they don't really resonate for me but title fight really does because i don't think that they sound like a hardcore band but i can't help but think of them as one or at least in the same scene as one because like all the ethics and everything around them and all their the other bands that they've done just everything all comes from from my like neck of the woods my perspective so it it definitely helped uh, make them a lot more relatable for me but a lot more relatable for everybody like a lot of other people i think like um i think as far as influencing younger kids in at least in pennsylvania i I don't want to speak on other places but in pennsylvania for sure i think title fight without a doubt is the most influential band of the past like 10 years 15 years just younger kids who don't know anything about punk hardcore whatever see title fight and see the feeling that they have from them and then just kind of go from there and you know start their own bands, do their own scenes, do whatever, whatever artwork. I think that Title Fight presenting that to everybody, kind of, a lot of younger people really helped everything grow. Do you see any current trends in the current scene? Is there anything, because like, I, like I'm straight edge and there's a bunch of great straight edge bands out there, One Step Closer being one, I believe Restraining Order, who 
uh, at least one of the members is in your quarantine. Uh, Restraining Order was a band that another one, first time I heard them, I was like, oh shit, this is something I'm, I really, really like. But like, I don't feel like the straight edge scene is as active as it has been in yesteryear. Is there anything going on in the scene right now that you can point to and go like, okay, this is, this is the hot thing. Five years from now, it will be something new though. I think, I think actually right now, Hardcore in general is really cool. Um, for a few years, it kind of started to like get heavier and like some metalcore bands and that type of stuff that and like bands that kind of you could tell wanted to kind of go to the next level and uh, you know be real bands like business type bands and like that's all fine. But I was kind of kind of getting stale with it. But over the past year or two, there's been a lot of bands that have come out now that are really connecting with me a lot. Um, there's a band magnitude. Who's a straight edge band. They're yeah, awesome. Magnitude rips. I yeah, would highly recommend magnitude. If you have not heard them, um, magnitude, they are like straight edge, but it's all like just, it comes off. It has sim- similar vibe. Like I, I don't know if they're influenced by Tuttle Fight or not. I have no idea. But it's kind of a similar like DIY. We're just five friends that are just doing a band, and it's cool. And we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, and that's it. Um, a band called Seat of Pain, um, uh, who are awesome. They're heavier. They're not straight edge, but they're awesome. Um, some friends of mine in a band called Payback, who are one of my favorite bands right now because they're straight edge, but they're also all about exclusivity or not sorry not exclusivity (laughs) inclusive uh including everybody that would be a radical uh, twist if one hardcore band out there was just like no it's not it's not for you people whoever that may be oh those bands exist for sure unfortunately they do but uh um but yeah it's all about just including everybody and i think that that's very cool it helps that they're like my best friends but even if they weren't i think that it would it would be really cool um a band or they're they're really good another band that's like that is another band from wilkes bear called choice to make who uh they also when i see them like they're they're still not as popular as maybe the other bands but i think they should be because you see them and it just kind of feels the same of like hey you're included in this too and i think especially as i get older seeing bands that are like that that are are just about like hey this is for you too like I, th- I think that it's really easy for a younger kid to go go to a show and then with within a year or two um get to like well i'm not gonna mosh anymore or i'm gonna stand on stage or like that's cool but i like the solder stuff more and like we've been there and i can't i can't say that that's hasn't been me at points but i think it's really uh important especially like i said as i get older to see bands that are like hey don't do that like we're all here there's a reason why we're all here you're not here to just like hardcore and music in general is like a participation thing if you don't come then there's nothing we're we don't exist so like uh so make the most of it when you're here and and just that type of stuff is what really resonates with me especially now so just seeing bands that exist like that are what makes me excited about going going to things and and like uh payback i bring them back again like uh since they're around here they're my friends it's like you can go and go to a show and just the point is all your friends go and just go crazy and mosh and and support your friends and then while you're doing it everybody else sees like, Oh, this is a cool thing. I want to be a part of this. And like, uh, you know, the, the stereotype is that it's not cool to wear a band's shirt close to the show, but with payback, they got hoodies and everybody just started wearing them because they got them for a show. And now it's turned to a thing where like everybody goes to, if you go to a payback show, half the crowd is all wearing payback shirts. And I think, and I don't think it's like an, an, uh, arrogant, like, 
show off thing. I think it's a natural, like, this is something that I think is cool and I want to be a part of this. And so I want to rep that I, that I like this and I'm a part of it. And I think that that is just the thing that makes hardcore and music in general so cool. And just to see bands like that existing now, I think is, it was what makes me excited and happy. So track three is flood of 72. I'm a big title guy, title fight guy. I was a little unfamiliar with Shed only because Floral Green was one of my albums of the decade, and I'm a big Hyperview guy. Although I I have many many thoughts on Hyperview that are are not meant for this podcast, but I like the album on a surface level. Shed, I don't know if I had ever listened to all the way through track by track before I started prepping for this podcast. And one of the things that jumped out at me is, especially the first half of this album, just how go, go, go and how intense the first half of this record is when you compare it to some of the melodic nature of Floral Green or the shoegazy cleanness of Hyperview. I really liked the tone that they set early on in this album. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's it's the same thing where you just kind of going and just bam 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 and and the slower stuff towards the end is cool but like especially with this type of music it, i just want to for it to really resonate like the emo bands or whatever um i i like the more i've always liked the more upbeat ones like the uh get up kids um Alkaline Trio, Saves the Day, like I said, that type of stuff, where that's always relating to me more than the slower things and so just uh I want to just imagine, you know, a crowd going crazy and just being really excited. I don't want people just standing there. I just want in my mind, like, people stage diving and jumping off of everything and, you know, head walking on all that stuff. So um, that's why Title Flight kind of hit the hit all the marks for me because you listen to it and you feel really excited. Like, um, one of my favorite songs of all time is a song called Back into the Left by Texas is the Reason. And I think it's like one of the it's probably the best like emo song of all time and when i listen to it i just want to jump up and down and just you know finger point and just feel really excited when i hear it and i kind of i get the same feeling when i listen to title fight stuff too like i just get really excited and i think that they did a really good job of especially pacing this record where the beginning is just like that bam 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 and the other thing i like about this song too is that um Flood of 72, I'm not that exp- familiar with, like, the lore and stuff, but it has to do with, like, a big flood in Wilkes-Barre and Kingston. And I just, it kind of goes back to Kingston and just their hometown and just always repping it. And I think that that's very cool where it's like, this is where we're from. This is where, like, we're not ashamed of it. We're really proud of it. And it's just intrinsic to who we are. So every, like we can't have a song without that influence being there. So uh, I think I can kind of feel that all over this album too. And the lyrics and the song titles and just everything about it. So I think that that's one of the appealing parts as well.
fan of Flood of 72, big fan of Society, which follows it. What jumped out at me here, Ned's vocals on this track, I... I, there's no there's no need to create a feud between the vocalist, uh, which, you know, they go back and forth between Ned and Jamie. But when I hear a good Ned track, it is to me, it is the title fight sound that I love so much. And on top of that, it's a song called Society. And although and maybe you disagree, but I think it's fair to say that like hardcore tends to hone in on specific points of society that they have issues with. I thought it was interesting here. The name itself kind of gives it away. They just take umbrage with all of society in this song, but it's a really enjoyable track in my mind. Yeah, this song is good too. It's the first kind of like a little slower one, but it's not like too slow or anything. And and yeah, it's kind of just the same. I, I think the cool thing about them in the lyrics and they kind of come out of this song is that, um, like you were saying, just the like they're the lyrics are definitely hardcore influenced so they're more simple they're more to the point um they don't try to be like too much and this is one that's probably like the most just straightforward if you sped it up and uh put it to like a youth today song you could probably just have the same lyrics so God, I think that would it's be cool. such that would mean so much to the title fight guys if they could hear that because again it's like that thing of like they're not a youth of today ripoff, but there's something about them. It's like, oh shit, yeah, they could tour with youth of today if if that was a possibility. Like it just makes sense in this weird way. You talked about hometown love. I think it is most prevalent on. You can't say Kingston doesn't love you, which is what follows. Kevin, why is it that pop punk bands seem to hate their hometown and hardcore bands seem to love their hometown? Uh, I think, A, the just relationship with your hometown is just like, I don't think everybody loves their hometown, but I think that people accept that this is where I am and it's made me. So it's just one of those things where like, you can, if you if you're disingenuous with it, you know, it just is what it is. So I think that especially them, they're like proud of the scene. Like I said, it's very DIY and just, you can't like everybody's there from the same area, the same mentality. So it just, you can't really escape it. But this is my favorite song on the record. The first time I heard the song, it was like one of those like, Whoa, this is, this is it. It just kind of hits all the, all the vibes that I like from them. It just kind of, it's concise. It it's got a catchy chorus. It's got a good part that you just want to like. I'm too fat, but I just want to like crawl in everybody's head. Although I can't actually do it, that type of thing. <laughs> Especially then, I was 50 pounds heavier back then. So, um, so like, uh, yeah, just like, just have that. Like, man, this is awesome. This was the song. Whenever they would play it live, like I have definitive memories of just like them playing it and just being like excited. Like this is this is the moment. They they got some other songs too. There's songs on Floor Green that kind of hit the same way, but this was the one on this record where like it does it. It kind of hits everything that I like about the band and why it means something for me. It's just all in this song. Is there something specific in regards to? 
either Philly or Wilkes-Barre or any of the suburbs in this scene that generate so much hometown pride because like I'm from an affluent area of Indiana and there's no existence of a hardcore scene here but if there were I can't imagine a a song equivalent to this but framed from an Indiana perspective like I think just because of where I'm at and what this music uh, seems to generate it would create a more negative I guess, lens through, you know, the hometown. But people in this area, just to generalize Philadelphia, because again, I would hate to start any beef between any scenes, but Philadelphia seems to love Philadelphia. Yeah, the I think it's the big thing is just like, Philadelphia has always lived in the shadow of um, New York and Washington. So it's always had its own scene that's been, you know, and Philadelphia as a city has a, chip on a shoulder so it just kind of like has i think it's always kind of been like a a scene that hasn't really left as much like there's not as many bands that people from other places maybe know about from philadelphia but if you're from philadelphia you know all the bands like Aiken dagger kid dynamite blacklisted um all's failed or whatever all sorts of bands that that are like maybe people other places know them i'm not gonna say people don't know kid dynamite but still it's like they didn't really travel as much they're they're from there and so um that's they've always kind of been like that but then everywhere else around i think has kind of and now like everybody's kind of melded together especially like all my friends you know we're from different areas but now we proudly rep philadelphia because uh you know it's kind of the central point that's where all, all the shows are we know the people from there but i think everywhere else kind of developed in the shadows of that like so like each each different area we're like okay this is where we are we're just gonna do shows there and like it wasn't even like a I don't even know if it was like a purposeful thing it's just like all right we're gonna do our own shows whatever and I think Wilkes-Barre is is a bigger city and it's in between it's not in between but it's like two hours from P- Pennsylvania and two hours from New York so I think that it was always just one of those things where it's like well here we are we're our own scene and we're just going to do our things our own way too because like there's a lot of younger kids we're all into this too so we're just gonna do our thing and there's been bands from uh that area and like other parts in PA and stuff for 25 or 30 years too there are big venues in like Reading PA and up uh in Wilkes-Barre and stuff before so it's just like kind of one of those things where it's like well I see what you're doing there so I'm just going to do our own version of it and like how we not even how we think it should be just how we are and then it just goes from there you mentioned that you can't say Kingston doesn't love you is your favorite song on the album the track that follows crescent shaped depression is my favorite song on shed deal with this song i discovered it when touche amore covered it and it's weird i i knew of title fight before touche because title fight was on side one dummy and they were a really big record label for me because they had put out you know the early jeff rosenstock solo stuff and they had ajj for a little bit and those were the bands in high school that and still now but those were the bands in high school that 
I was really, really into. So I knew of Title Fight beforehand, but I didn't know this song until I saw T.A. cover it. And then once that happens, like, oh, my God, this is a Title Fight song. How have I not heard this? And I think, and, and I'm about to say a word that uh, Ian Mackay would not be proud of me for saying. I don't like the word myself, but it is the only thing I can think of when I hear this track and attempt to analyze it. Perhaps more than any song on this album, Crescent-Shaped Depression invokes some sort of emo core quality. It is, I, I find to be the perfect blend between what we would consider the emo scene and what we would consider the hardcore scene. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, I guess so. I never really thought of it like that. But also, like I said, I always, especially with this band specifically, I just never, I always think of kind of just the personal with it but but this song it definitely is a little uh, again a little slower and like i can see that the the touche amore played the tour for this record and they played the release show too so and the release show was at a place called redwood art space that was like basically like a storefront but basically uh, a lot of people in books bear title fight was involved would like rented this spot and just did a ton of shows there so that show was here and it was like insane were the Menzikers on that tour as well? Yeah, they were on that tour. I think they played that show. My too. God, that sounds incredible. I think I, I have a show list, and I don't have it with me. I think Cold World played that show too, but I, I don't remember. But it was, uh, yeah, it was an awesome show. And it was, um, like I said, real DIY, like just in a storefront spot. So it was like perfect. in your skin is what follows this has guest vocals from walter schreifels of gorilla biscuits he along with will yip produced this record will yip produced citizens youth law disputes rooms of the house the aforementioned menzingers after the party if will yip has his name on something i will listen to it it's nice to hear walter on this record as well to me this is merely chapter one in a, in a two-part series of this and then Head in the Ceiling Fan off of Floral Green. It seems like this song walked so Head in the Ceiling Fan could run. Yeah, this song, I like this too. It's it's hard for me to look at the song by itself because um, it's so like, it bleeds into the next song. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, it's it's weird because it it's got vocals to it and it's very much its own song, but it's kind of like a interlude on the record. But it's it's cool. I really like that aspect of it. And it's kind of like we go back to Texas the Reason, where um, before the song I was talking about, back in the left, it has like another uh, interlude song that's like two or three minutes before that, and that doesn't have vocals. But I kind of feel that, and actually, Tuttlefight used to cover that, but. Um, it used to be like it kind of feels the same way where it's just like you have this little thing this interlude that's like it's a song but it's kind of in, in between and then going right into the next song and that's where i think that it it was very cool and also i just looked up the the lineup for that show and it was title fight menzingers touche more war hungry record release show dead and path cold world it was awesome yeah that sounds 
that sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah. As for kind of this one-two punch of safe in your skin and where am I, I think there's a tonal change that happens with Crescent-Shaped Depression where the first half of the record with your songs like Society and You Can't Say Kingston Doesn't Love You, it feels... Uh, very broad, not not in a not in a bad way, but it's like, oh, these are the themes that hardcore bands would sing about. And then you hit the second half of the record, and it becomes much more personal and much more intense. And I think that continues into your screen door. listening to this now it was like oh this sounds like everything that would come later for side one like whether or not this was an influence on the bands that was signed with the label i do not know but there's just a depressive nature to this which is not a bad thing because i am all for singing sad songs or uh, songs with you know uh more somber themes but i think there's a definitive shift in this half of the record and i really like the back half of this album yeah, me too. I think I I really like Where Am I. Um, it's I I think like the previous song into that I I think is just really cool. Um, I th- I can only remember once seeing them do Safe in Your Skin into Where Am I. I could have seen it more than once, but I remember they played the the First Unitarian Church, which is like the most important. Uh, Philadelphia independent venue I'd say ever but without a doubt over the past 30 years and um, they played there and they headlined which was surreal by itself for the first time but then uh, they did this there like uh, safe in your skin into where am I and it was one of those like this is like they've done something like incredible it was just kind of stand there and just be like this is this is very cool like they've made it and now of course they would do a lot more after that but it was just one of those things where it's like this is awesome you mentioned uh that venue the first unitarian church in philly what is it about that place that seems to i guess capture the essence of these bands so well and i think part of it is that just most of the shows that take place there are filmed there by a variety of different uh concert filmers but I know it's on my list of like, God, I'd love to see a show there one day. What is it about that venue that is so special? I, it's hard to even put into words, which is a cop out answer. So I'll try to do it. But it's like, um, it, it was very DIY. So a lot to like for years, uh, all bun, run by originally run by a company called R5 Productions. And they've like insane bands have played there. Like, uh, after driving, get up kids, arcade fire, all sorts of crazy bands have played there. Texas, the reason, like everything. If you if you like a band, they have probably played there. So, um, and it's just been kind of the legacy of it for so long that it's existed and it's been a constant. It doesn't do as many shows now as uh, there used to be, but it's still a constant. Where like the stage is the perfect the perfect size. It feels. It doesn't have any pretense or anything crazy like it's it has the shows have a very diy feel but it's and like inclusive and like it doesn't matter what type of show it is um 
there's flaws with it. Like it gets insanely hot and the floor gets insanely slippery, but I kind of find some of that stuff endearing. Maybe I'm just crazy for it because it's, I'm so used to it, but it's like, it's just all part of just the aspect of it. I don't know. It's like when I going there, when I was younger, I was like, Oh my God, I'm finally going to this place. And now it's still here 15, 20 years later where it's like, this is, I don't know. It's still, it's my favorite place. Like I said, there aren't as many shows there now, but they're still like in um, December, there was a show with like, the capacity is like 550-ish or whatever. And there was a show with like 700 people in uh, December with like Incendiary, Never End the Game, Year of the Knife, Payback, some other bands, uh, Mind Force. It was like incredible, next level, great show. So it was like, it's still... I don't know. It's still going there. It's just unlike anywhere else. There's that great emotional trio of songs with Safe in Your Skin, Where Am I, and Your Screen Door. And then somehow Title Fight finds a way to up the ante in terms of emotion with 27. I close my eyes. which floored me when I heard it for the first time. And as I was preparing for this podcast this week, it was just on repeat for me of just like, oh my God, I can't believe they were able to construct a song which is based off of uh, Ned's father having surgery, Ned's father being very superstitious, and his number, if you will be, being 27. And the song is sort of shaped around that. Other than Crescent-shaped depression, it is my go-to song on the album. Where do you stand on this one? This was the first song they put out from it. So this was the first song that I heard from it. So it was just kind of like, you know, like I said, I can kind of remember hearing this stuff for the first time. So it was like, oh, man, finally, the record is coming and here it is. And this is what it sounds like. And and uh, yeah, I think that this is it, it kind of since it was first, I think it kind of turned into like the hit from from this record, the one that they would always play. And, you know, people always go crazy for But I don't know. I you you basically summed it up. I don't really have anything extra to say about it, but it's just like it's a great song, and it's 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 good to have a song this good towards the end. Yeah, I think it, you know it's good. What else can be said about it is in not a not an insulting way at all. But there's a lot of that on this album, and I think maybe even more so on Floral Green, which is really one of one of my favorites of all time. But I, I don't have a thousand words typed up and ready to go on Shed or Floral Green the way I would for any other album that I love on the on the level of those. It's just like, it's a title fight album. It's fucking great. What else can be said? And I think that's true on Stab, which is what follows that as well. It's a great song, and it's just, it's nice to have a hardcore band that can put out a full-length album like this with killer vocals, with killer instrumentations, and 
with this all killer, no filler mindset, even the melodic stuff like safe in your skin here, head in the ceiling fan went on to be a massive hit. It's not my favorite song on that album, but it's, I think the title fight song that a lot of people, especially the side one era fans relate to the most, but still we're talking about 12 songs here and they are relentless in their approach. And I love them for that. Yeah, this is another one of my favorite songs on the record. And I kind of forget about it because it's towards the end. But then every time I hear it, I get really excited. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just the way that it starts, it just go right from the beginning. It's like, it's great. Greenwich Mean Time is how we end the album. 12, or 12 songs, 27 minutes, a perfectly timed hardcore album, in my opinion. But this final song, GMT, another just really heavy way to end things. And it, it just struck me because I, I knew Title Fight's lore going into this album. I'm obviously a, a fan of them, but I thought debut album they would be doing basically the first half of the album all the way through. I thought it would be a lot of scene politics and, you know, broader hardcore opinions. And then they flipped the switch on me in a way that I was not anticipating. And, you know, it certainly, I wasn't on the scale of being choked up possibly. It didn't move me on that extreme level of emotion, but I was floored at the heaviness of the back half of this album. And GMT for me was a great way to end things. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were just kids when they wrote this, but it was also like, They'd been a band for eight years, seven, eight years. So it was, it was, it was a young band, like age-wise, but it wasn't a young band as far as being ready. So it's just like they were able to just kind of, they were more mature, I guess, than than other bands were, and it just all came out perfectly in this one, where it just like it was a debut record, but it didn't feel like. I think that, I mean, I'm sure that there's flaws of it, but it doesn't feel like it can have the flaws that other bands did. It feels pretty like that they were able to iron out whatever they had going on before. And so it's just kind of like concise and bam, perfect. Like I know, I know that a lot of people like floral green more than this. Like you're not alone in that for sure. And I think floral green is great, but for me, this is just the one where like, since it was the first one where it's finally like, remember where it was, it's like, you can't replicate the first one. So it's just like, I still, it still has that spot for me. Sometimes I would, I would probably say like Kingston would be the number one favorite one, but really this is probably the best where it just like kind of sums everything up about it. I'm going to ask you a loaded question and I'm going to ask you to be as objective as possible. Yes. If you had to rate this album out of 10, what number are we giving Title Fight Shed? We'll do a 9.5. Yeah. Uh, I I would not go that high, but I cannot begrudge you at all for that rating. I can't do a perfect 10 for almost anything, but really, I like it. You know, some some things where you can acknowledge that, like, I, not not to pick out anything specific on this record, but, like, maybe there's flaws or low points, but they don't matter. Like we, we talk about this with like wrestling stuff sometimes where it's like, you know, that part happened, but it does not matter that it happened. It doesn't it's affect about, the greater story. Right. 
it's probably the same thing with this for me where it's like even if there are some maybe a song or two that's not quite as good just the feeling that i get from this record and just the memories and all that stuff i can't separate it from the actual record so it's like uh yeah i'm a very biased reviewer on it but i have no shame in that Kevin, we've talked records. We've talked the Wilkes-Barre hardcore scene. We've talked about when you saw Title Fight and how much they mean to you. Now it is your job to lead the future in Title Fight's direction. Who needs to hear Shed and why? I think that, I I mean, I feel so out of touch with the youth at this point, but I feel like any kid that is 15 to 20 years old that knows that they like music but don't really know what what they like or where they're going to go. I feel like anybody should get pick up this record and it just kind of is like a bit of a blueprint, not as much as as far as like the lyrics explaining how hardcore is or what, what to be into, which like those those records exist too, but just more so just the mentality and the aesthetic and just everything that surrounds it and just the, you know, just do a band with your friends you know, have no uh, preconceived ideas of what you want to do. And we're just going to do it ourselves and just do whatever we want. And then eventually who knows what will happen. And I think that that uh, you can just get that from listening to this record. It feels very earnest type of thing. So I think that it's like if somebody who's, who's younger hears this, I, f- I feel like that they just would be excited and just want to know more about what uh, is included, like where this came from, what's going on with it. I feel like maybe you can just kind of feel that it's like a, there's something living, breathing behind this. It's not just like something that is created to sell. It's there's actually ideas and reason for everything behind it. So I think that somebody who's younger, just records like this, like we all have records that you hear that kind of, shape your worldview and like we've been talking about before and i think that this easily could be that record for somebody who is younger so that's the type of person somebody 15 16 17 still in high school should everybody should hear this final question for you yes do you think we will one day get a title fight reunion show they never broke up they no okay so let's briefly get into this they never broke up they just Ned has his own, uh, not solo project because he doesn't want to use that terminology, but Ned has his own solo project. Uh, It seems like they're on maybe an infinite hiatus of sorts. What's the deal with Title Fight? Because I, you know, I want them back. I want new Title Fight music and I want a Title Fight tour. I I have no idea. I don't think that they have any plans right now. Um, I haven't heard about anything, so who knows? But I think that, I think they would probably play again. I mean, they never broke up and it was just one of those things that two of them are brothers. I, I feel and hope that they'll play again, but I have no idea. Whatever they do though, I will uh, absolutely be there wherever it is. So that's what I'm, I like I'm to hear. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, I mean, they'll do, a, I would assume that there would be a Wilkes bear show. So I would absolutely be at that. But I, I think I'm trying to, the last time I think I saw them was another show at the church. I think they did, they've done one after, I think, and I missed that one because it was in, uh, it was a benefit show in Long Island. So I think that that was the last one and that I missed that. That was indeed the last show they played, yeah. Yeah, so I, I missed that one. So wherever the next one is, whenever that will be, hopefully it's sooner than later, but who knows? I will be there for sure, so. 
it's time to get your plugs in. Kevin, where can the people find you? What do you want the people to know? So like uh, we talked about earlier, I just did a zine called Quarantined, quarantined.blogspot.com. You can read it for free. I can ship you one, a physical one if you want. You can print it out yourself, whatever. I don't care. I just want people to read it. Um, so check that out. I'm on Twitter, Stan underscore underscore Hanson. Uh, if you're on uh, Instagram, I just started a page with some of my friends called P-A-H-C underscore history. And it's basically just a bunch of videos and flyers and all sorts of stuff celebrating all of Pennsylvania hardcore, but not just limited to like specific hardcore bands. We're trying to be uh, a little bit more diverse with what we show just because we think that uh, Pennsylvania is very cool scene that sometimes gets overlooked and and we we're just really excited and passionate about the scene that we came from. So we just want to put that out there. So check that out. Um, I also help uh, with Philly hardcore shows on there, which um, is basically if you're from the Philadelphia area and you have any interest in hardcore DIY scene or whatever, check that page out. It just kind of has everything that's going on. Whenever things start again, whenever the shows happen, uh, they will be there. So check all that stuff out. Please check Kevin out. He does a bunch of cool things. As for me, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore K-Slow, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And you can find the podcast itself on Instagram at Article Albums. Kevin, I thank you for being on. I thank the listeners for doing their job and listening. And I thank Title Fight for putting out Shed, a bona fide, guaranteed art school album. <laughs>